Tonight on Huckabee, Virginia Congressman Ben Klein, Sound of Freedom's Jim Caviezel and Tim Ballard, Extreme Illusionist Josh Knotts, and country music duo Taylor Lynn and Trey Twitty. That's Trey Corley at the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. What a great crowd we've got here tonight. These folks are excited. And by the way, this is episode number 300, a real milestone for the Huckabee Show. And we are proud with the great team and staff and crew that makes it happen every week. And uh, people say, how long are you going to be doing this? I hope till I'm as old as Joe Biden, at least. That's how. <laughs> but I hope I remember doing the show when I'm that old. Hey, I don't know if you know this, I'm sure you do, but we're about to celebrate our nation's 247th birthday. And I figure that you'll be like me and you'll enjoy a day of barbecue, fireworks, and hopefully some ice cream, watermelon, and maybe even a parade. Now, for the past few years around the 4th of July, I do wonder how many more birthdays does this old girl have left? When I was a kid, it seemed as if nothing would ever topple the country that I grew up in. I mean, it was the happy days of the 50s and 60s when most people were experiencing an advancing level of financial security. The greatest generation of World War II had come home to start families, build homes, and take jobs in the factories or farm. Everybody was feeling pretty good about being an American. And we for sure had our shortcomings. The despicable and dreadful marks of real racism meant that not everyone had the same opportunities. Although there was progress. The Supreme Court was quite right in Brown versus Board of Education when it declared that having two separate levels of public education was unconstitutional, even though it would take decades for states to actually implement the equality of an adequate education. But in the late 60s, anger and cynicism grew over a government that had become corrupt and engaged in exactly what President Eisenhower warned against the military-industrial complex. We entered a long war that we really didn't have a strategy to win. But we found it hard to disengage because too many industries depended on making the machinery of the war. We sent young men to fight in that war who did the duty their country required, but their country didn't return the favor. With appreciation or respect or the support or medical care that they deserved and should have had from the moment they got back home. And over 50,000 of those young men didn't come home at all. Our streets during that time were filled with violence and riots, looting and anarchy. College campuses became battlefields of mind and body. And drugs and sexual promiscuity were ubiquitous. And we wondered if the country would survive all that. But somehow we did. We find ourselves at this 247th anniversary of our Declaration of Independence wondering how many years just have we left? One of the inside jokes in my own family was that my dad, after having had a heart attack in his 50s, 
thought every birthday would be his last. And he would always tell us quite seriously each Christmas, there was a good chance that I won't be around next Christmas. So every year we would kind of obligingly celebrate his last Christmas, which ultimately became known as the 22nd annual last Christmas, <laughs> which frankly turned out to actually be the last one. But his annual last Christmas was sort of like the Rolling Stones farewell tours. I mean, there've been 20 of those and heck, Mick Jagger turns 80 years old this month. But even good things and good people come to a conclusion. I just hope it's not true of America. I love this country. I really do. I know it's got its faults and it's been far from perfect. But even our founders recognized that we would strive to be a more perfect union, not that we had already become one. This country has been really good to me. A kid who grew up in typical Southern poverty in a little rent house in a small Arkansas town that no one ever had heard of. And I wasn't just the first male in my family to go to college. I was the first male in my entire family lineage to even graduate high school. I doubted I would ever see a governor in person, much less become one, or more importantly now, be the father of one. I, I, I sometimes sit on our property and I just thank God for the blessings that exceed my wildest expectations. Frankly, I got a lot to celebrate this 4th of July, and I hope you do as well. But I'm genuinely concerned that if our great nation doesn't have a spiritual awakening soon, we're going to blow out the candles for the last time on America's birthday cake. I'd rather keep going to America's birthday party instead of her funeral. What threatens our nation's survival isn't divisive politics or the economy or even the results of rampant crime. It's a spiritual decline due to our rejection of God's truth and the foolish creation of something that people call my truth, which is simply a way of one saying that he or she will be one's own God. Pray for our country. Pray we turn from the selfishness and the stupidity of rejecting eternal truth and pray that our great country celebrates many more birthdays. Virginia Congressman Ben Klein serves on the House Judiciary Committee where he questioned former special counsel John Durham last week. His big takeaway, the FBI lied to the American people, launched an entirely unwarranted investigation against Donald Trump to prove non-existent collusion with Russia and try to prevent Donald Trump from winning the 2016 presidential election. The Congressman says that every American ought to be outraged by this corruption and the abuse of power. Please welcome to the show, Congressman Ben Klein of Virginia. I can't imagine a more stressful time to be in the Congress than right now. Um, you had an extraordinary exchange with the special counsel, John Durham. And you basically just laid out a series of questions and asked him, did the FBI, did they lie to us? Did they participate in this phony Russia collusion story against Trump? Um, did you have any idea how significant that exchange would be and how viral it would become? Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's an honor to be 
uh, with you, and, and I'm so grateful to you for your leadership, and your monologue was right on point this July 4th. We've got a lot to be thankful for, but we've got a lot of work to do yeah. to straighten out the mess that's going on in, in this country, and it's a rot that goes to the core of a lot of our venerable institutions of government, and the Department of Justice and the FBI is one of those institutions. And so we have seen over the years, uh, starting back before Trump even ran for office, that uh, there was an effort to weaponize the institutions of government against conservatives. And when Trump came along, uh, Hillary Clinton and her supporters drummed up this Russia collusion idea and paid uh, members of a law firm associated with her to uh, launch investigations and then took the information that they gained, some of which was false, some of which was based on faulty testimony uh, and incorrect facts, fed it to the FBI, and the FBI used it as an excuse to investigate the, Clinton, the Trump campaign, and it became what was known as Russiagate. But in the midst of all that, the media continued to beat that drum. And, and presented as if it really had happened when, at that point, people knew it really didn't. Now, in fact, the collusion was between the Clinton campaign and the media and those in the FBI who were uh, using that faulty Steele dossier to go to the FISA court to get the warrants to spy on members of the Trump campaign. And uh, that, that incestuous relationship with the press uh, was what really kept the truth from coming out until uh, we were able to get the Durham investigation launched. And even then, while the report did lay out the facts for the American people, uh, there wasn't any action taken by Durham. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't investigate everybody he was supposed to. Uh, he didn't investigate Comey. He didn't investigate... Why not? Uh, Why well, did he not do that? My, I, my thought is he's ultimately a company man. And his company is the FBI. And so he went out to, he's an honest man. He's a principled man. He's going to lay out the facts as they were, but he's not going to go above and beyond to actually restore that integrity that is so important by prosecuting those within the organization who needed to be uh, pursued. And yet there, I think, most conservatives looking at what's happening in our country, they say, you know, we look at Hunter Biden. What he did, most people go to prison for. They don't pay their taxes on several million dollars of income. Um, he's a drug user, and he committed a felony by purchasing a gun and lying on the forms to get it. I mean, that, that's a kind of an open and shut deal that sends people to prison all the time. Absolutely. I was a prosecutor before I got elected, and uh, there were many cases where you had instances involving lying on forms, involving purchasing weapons uh, when you weren't legally able to or supposed to be able to, and, and those people would go to jail. You're on the Judiciary Committee. Now the Republicans have the majority. Can you shake enough bushes in Congress that will reveal and expose some of the corruption that we are all aware of, that we can see, but it's got to be, got to be dealt with? Absolutely, and, it's, and more is coming out each day. We're learning more about what our current Attorney General, Merrick Garland, knew uh, about the investigations into Hunter Biden, the delay tactics, uh, the, the hiding of uh, facts from the people and, and 
we're going to get to the bottom of it because, because we've got a great chairman in Jim Jordan. Yes. And, and he, I'm honored to be on the Judiciary Committee with him, and he is bound and determined to get to uh, the bottom of it and lay out the facts for the American people and follow the facts where they lead. We're not afraid to pursue them where they need to go. For example, um, Alexander Mayorkas, as our, our Secretary of Homeland Security, yeah. has ignored his responsibilities to the point where he needs to be impeached. He needs to be removed and yes. we're ready to lay out those yes, facts. Yes, he does. Well, I want to keep you here. We've got a lot more to talk about, and so stick around. Congressman uh, Klein and I have a lot more topics to cover, which we're going to do right after this. Stay with us. Still ahead, mind-bending illusionist Josh Knotts takes to the stage. And later, Twitty and Lynn take us back to the golden era of country music with an absolutely stunning performance. You're watching Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at MikeHuckabee on Twitter. I'm continuing the conversation with Congressman Ben Klein. We were talking about some of these things that are happening. Merrick Garland, the attorney general, made a statement this past week that was very disturbing. And he made the comment, he said that the attack on the integrity of the Department of Justice is an attack on democracy. Now, Congressman, I heard that, and, and I think he said it with this sort of a smug, how dare you question. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Our government is based on the notion that we, the people, have every right to question our government. It is our government that doesn't always have the right to question everything we do. And does he not get that? That's right. It says above the Supreme Court, equal justice under law, not weaponized justice against your political opponents. Eric Garland testified under oath to Congress that he has not interfered at all. Somebody's lying. It's either the whistleblowers or it's Merrick Garland. Not only were the IRS whistleblowers unable to uh, get their complaints heard, the U.S. attorney in Delaware investigating Hunter uh, tried to get designated a special counsel uh, to investigate and was rejected by the Department of Justice in Washington on more than one occasion. So we have efforts to prevent uh, even a U.S. attorney in Delaware uh, and, and those IRS investigators as well from pursuing the truth as it relates to the Biden family. One of your colleagues on the other side of the aisle this week had a little issue. He got censured. Adam Schiff of California, who was waving his hands and telling everybody <laughs> that he knew there was Russian collusion. He had the evidence. He never presented it. Turned out there wasn't any. Nope. It was a real kick in the pants to Mr. Schiff, wasn't it? Uh, it was, and it was... It infuriated the liberals who have defended him throughout his lies. And as he's been lying to them and to us, to the American people, confident in the fact that as chairman of the Intelligence Committee, that he could lie with impunity and that no one would ever know the truth. Well, once the truth came out, he continued to lie about Russia collusion and, uh, you know, that is one example of us holding accountable those responsible for their lies. He is um, 
one of the first, but he is not the last, and we will continue to follow the facts and get to the bottom of it. I think there are a whole lot of us who are just ecstatic, not, not in a vengeful way, no. but you don't want someone to repeatedly lie to the American people and do it with such pride and arrogance and get away with it, because it really, that does weaken our system of government and our confidence that uh, we can trust our government. And I think it's one of the reasons so many people are cynical about uh, the way things are going. Yeah, we, we have a real crisis of confidence in our institutions of government, and we need to restore that confidence. That's what Republicans are trying to do in the House, and hopefully next year we'll uh, make some more gains in the Senate and in the White House. We sure hope so. Congressman, it's been a real honor and pleasure to have you here. Thanks for coming and being Thank on you. the program. Thank you, Governor. And for our audience, you can follow the Congressman on social media. And simply just head to Huckabee.tv. We have direct links to the congressman's office and his social media pages so you can find out more of what he's doing, not just for the people of the 6th District of Virginia, but what he's doing for you. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to do something for you, and that something is he's going to tell us what we still have coming up on this show. Well, up next, movie star Jim Caviezel plays Special Agent Tim Ballard in an incredible true story. Also, legal insights on the Trump impeachment with Jordan Siculo. You're watching Huckabee. Tim Ballard spent over a decade as a special agent for the Department of Homeland Security, working undercover all over the world to bust child sex trafficking rings. He then co-founded the group called Operation Underground Railroad, and that was all about rescuing children. His harrowing experiences inspired a brand new movie called The Sound of Freedom, and it stars the Passion of the Christ star Jim Caviezel. It opens nationwide. Give him a big hand. Yes. That reaction is what he gets every time he comes. In fact, my wife doesn't come to every show to come in from Little Rock with me to do it, but she found out Jim Caviezel is going to be here. She's here. Yeah, it's just, I'm just telling you. But this film opens all over the country July the 4th, and it is such an honor to welcome Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel. Great to have you guys here. Tim, I, I want to begin with you because you have your life story portrayed on the screen and you've got one of the greatest actors in the business right now doing it. I'm just wondering on a personal level, what does that feel like to watch Jim Caviezel be Tim Ballard? Well, the whole thing's surreal to watch. You know, they filmed a lot of the scenes in the very locations where these events took place. In Columbia, right? In Columbia, yeah. at the port of entry in, in, uh, in Collectible, California, where the case kind of kicks off. And then to have Jim play me, Jim's my favorite actor. I mean, when they asked me who they wanted to play me, yeah. he, right out of the gate, I said, Jim. Uh, they said, he's, he's the best, but 
they said at the end of the film, there's this cool kind of transition where they show some real footage. Mm -hmm. They we want someone that kind of looks like you. And Jim's tall, dark, and handsome, and, and you're not. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I don't care what he looks like or I look like. <laughs> this is the truth. I said to them, I don't trust Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I'm in business largely because of Hollywood, because of the content they put out that creates the demand for all that I'm fighting. But Jim loves Jesus, and I love Jesus, and, th and that's the most important thing to me. And so make sure it's him. I love that. I love that. I think it's just such a great testament to the story itself, because this is not just about some guy that uh, was on a mission for the government. Jim, was there something that immediately you connected to in this story? It reminded me of It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Now, here's how. Got a guy that's going to commit suicide. Got an angel that tries to save him and then show him that without his life, without him, mm -hmm. uh, um, these people aren't going to make it. And I thought about Tim Ballard and all these children that aren't going to make it without Tim Ballard. And that's why this film is so incredibly inspirational. We've got a clip. This is one of the scenes in which, uh, in playing the role of Tim Ballard, you're making it clear that you can't just turn your back on these kids. We're Homeland Security. You know we can't go off rescuing Honduran kids in Colombia. Look, the, the boy is back with his father. That's a career capper. Take it and move on. I can't. I don't think you understand what I'm asking you. See how... This job tears you to pieces. And this is my one chance to put those pieces back together. You know, Jim, rarely do I watch a just a brief scene of a few seconds of a movie and get impacted emotionally. If this film uh, I know the goal is to get 2 million tickets sold to see The Sound of Freedom on the beginning of 4th of July. That would be historic. It would be miraculous. It would be a wake-up call to Hollywood whose films are, are bombing. Disney's lost 800 and, uh, or maybe it was $690 million on the last three films. No one wants to go see this stuff. But they want to see movies like this. And it would send a message. So how can people connect to the movie, get the tickets? Because I think it's just important that people see the film, they buy the tickets. One of the things that you're doing is a pay it forward to buy tickets for people who can't afford to go. That's right. If you, if you want to go to the movie or you can't afford it, well, we have a way for you to do that. They're free. Hmm. You just go through, um, was it angel.com forward slash Jim? Yep. Okay. So... Um, that's what you do, and then there's a pay it forward program. And all you gotta do is that when you go and see the film, and you're gonna love this film, but tell people that, about what you, how it impacted you. And that helps keep paying it forward for us. I think it's amazing too that this film was crowdsourced. In other words, it was not big Hollywood moguls who said, yeah, we'll put the money behind it. It was people godly people from around the country who invested all kinds of amounts of money to say, we want this story told. You know, that's a pretty powerful yes. testimony. But we're running out of um, theaters. Mm. 
It's, you mean we're selling out across the United States right now, but the problem is, is that uh. the studios have most of the theaters. So it's like what you guys did when you helped us on the Passion of the Christ. You all went out and pushed forward, and so they had to relinquish these theaters because the demand of the people. So really, you know, the end of trafficking has to happen by the people. It's not going to happen yeah. by the politicians. Right. All of this pornography, all of this, this is like an eight-armed um, octopus that it, 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 you know, I was talking to Tim about pornography earlier. Are any of these uh, traffickers or these uh, pedophiles, does pornography affect them? Well, it just, it does. It, and, they're, and they're proliferating everywhere all over our, our country. We're talking about little bitty children, eight, nine years old, that are sold off as sex slaves and are put through the most horrific experiences with people who use them as if they were nothing but an object. That's right. There are over six million children. Uh, this is according to Par Department of Labor, state, others, in slavery. They don't own their persons, either labor, organ harvesting, which you don't even, I mean, we're, we're fighting that as well, and then, and then sex. And, and you're right. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, oh, they're 16, 17. That's illegal, but we generally don't even have time. It's, it's, it's children, average seven, eight, six years old. Uh, and, and this is the material that's being millions of transfers of child rape videos of that age, just in our country alone. Like Jim says, number one consumer, we are that. It's, it's the economy of pedophilia, I call it. And so when you see 85,000 unaccompanied minors dropped off at the border and, get, and just are dropped into our country with no background check, they just go to the whatever, whoever shows up for them. What do you, we know what's happening. We are facilitating this right mm -hmm. now. We can no longer say that this is a problem far, far away. We are the problem, we are the demand, and we have to be the solution. I hope this movie wakes a lot of people up, and I think it will. Ken Ballard, Jim Caviezel, thank you very, very much for being here. Sound of Freedom opens nationwide on July the 4th. Want to know more about tickets and where to see the film? Go to Huckabee.tv. We have links to all of the things we've been talking about, as well as to the movie trailer to help you find showtimes in your area. And maybe you just decide, I, I can't go, but I'll buy 50 tickets and make it so that other people can go. Send a message to Hollywood and a message to Tim Ballard. Well, right now, Mr. Movie Phone himself, Keith Bilbury, is standing by to tell us about the rest of the show. Keith? Uh, well, if you'd like to see more of the show, press 1. Oh. Coming up, Josh Knotts performs Extreme Illusions. This show is rated E for everyone. One of the best reasons to come to the show in person, get tickets and be here in the theater, is because you get little snippets of this phenomenal music by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. We just got to hear the whole thing of Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Every week they dazzle us with the phenomenal music. Give a hand to Trey Corley and the Music City Connection.
Jordan Sekulow is an attorney, executive director of the American Center for Law and Justice. He served as a member of President Trump's personal legal team, defending him in the first impeachment trial and also served as the team's primary spokesman. He says these new criminal charges against the former president are another desperate, deep state attempt to keep him from ever holding office again. Please welcome to our show a very skilled attorney and one we like, Jordan Sekulow. Thank Jordan, honor to have you. Good to see you. I want to jump into this stuff. Uh, the latest thing is leaked audio sure. where the president is supposedly talking. First of all, if it leaked, somebody from the DOJ had to be responsible for that. Yeah, I mean, there's only two people. It's the DOJ or the author who was uh, also possibly recording. And is it, are they doing it because they want to make a bigger name for themselves? This was the author who co-wrote the book with the uh, president's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. But yes, I mean, once you have these leaks like this, yeah. it, it's, it's uh, almost impossible to mount a normal defense. But I've heard very scholarly uh, legal professors, Jonathan Turley of yep. Georgetown, Alan Dershowitz, professor yep. emeritus from Harvard. Liberals never voted for yep. Trump, hardcore Democrats, but they say these charges that have been thrust on Trump lately are nonsense. Do you agree with that I, assessment? I do. I mean, these are, these are slap on the wrist civil cases. If the you know, National Archives really believed six months after that a president had documents, a president specifically had documents they needed, and, and they were not getting them back fast enough, DOJ has a civil division. All they have to do is file a civil suit. It doesn't have to be criminal. Yeah. You don't need to be charging the president or a former president for the first time ever in history and start this brand new novel theory of law of how, do we, how would we handle a, a criminal prosecution of a president who has this unique power to declassify that no other member of the government has. And, and also, have they not opened a can of worms that'll never be closed? Of course. That for the future, every time a person leaves office, somebody's gonna go and say, oh, let's get the FBI to send a SWAT team, <laughs> go to their home at six in the morning, not let their attorney see what's happening. Yep. I, I was stunned that there was no due process. They try to overwhelm them. So this is what the cost is now of, I guess, being elected president yeah. and then being the Republican leading nominee in the next election cycle. So they're looking at it as a death of a thousand cuts as opposed to let's go for the jugular because they don't have anything that There day. is no jugular. In fact, even this, this leak that came out, the classic thing about this, and anybody that's talked to Donald Trump personally, and a lot of these reports that come out, you know, he talks very openly, but he's, he also talks very big, I would say. And they, they still have admitted that this supposed document that he's talking about has never been found, not by the team that raided, not by his lawyers, not by National Archives. So it, it might not be that he was talking about one single document, but it, instead a bunch of different things that were kind of given to him or advised to him when he was president of the United States. And he was just kind of fighting back against this report that was gonna be in a book that he was the one that wanted to invade Iran. And in fact, uh, he was saying, no, it wasn't. It was just a bunch of advisors constantly telling me they wanted to go to war. Do you think Donald Trump would ever just say, okay, look, I'm just sick of this. Just uh, give me a misdemeanor and I'll, I'll walk away. At the end of the day, he wants to be vindicated. And, that's, and ultimately, he will be vindicated. He's go, just like the first impeachment uh, when he was acquitted, the second impeachment when he was acquitted, the special counsel investigation, which found nothing. Uh, we know this is the same. It is, it is a witch hunt. And it is the death by a thousand cuts, like you said. It, there's, in this case, there's so many procedural hur hurdles for the federal government and the DOJ. And this special counsel, for everybody out there to know, he's good sometimes at getting indictments. He's very bad at getting even convictions to hold. In fact, they've been overturned by the US Supreme Court against Republicans and Democrats. And there have been a number of legal scholars, I'll mention Dershowitz and Turley yep. again, but others as well, who have said that 
there's a very good likelihood that if Trump has the kind of lawyers he's going to have to have, and hopefully does, right. they may present the case in such a way the judge throws the whole thing out and says, this is not a case that needs to come before me in criminal court. It's do, you, do you agree with that? It's possible. If you take, a, you take an aggressive approach, we worked with uh, Professor Dershowitz. He joined our impeachment legal team. And so and it was great to work with him because he'll, he'll come up with these very tough criminal defense attorney kind of ideas like, let's take it to him and say, why are we even in criminal court? This is a charge that you know you don't prosecute. And yeah. let's go through the history of all the people you don't prosecute, including the former vice president. That was pretty quickly handled. Yeah. They could have prosecuted him if they wanted to because he didn't have to do anything with the documents. Right. Just having this house. President Biden. Right now, you can't prosecute a sitting president, but out of office, you're going to then prosecute him for having those documents as well. And the answer should be no. We should not be prosecuting people for having... They, they have no allegation for in any of these individuals' cases, neither Mike, uh, Mike Pence's or President Trump's, uh, that they shared these documents. That's yeah. the real crime. That's the real espionage. I know Professor Dershowitz is actually, once the attorneys, it's an interesting idea to file a motion so that they stop using the word espionage because Americans hear that and over these charges fall under the Espionage Act. He's not actually being charged with espionage. It's just the, the, the charges fall under that act. These are about the lowest charges in the act. And then the ones that you hear about where people are even put to death, that's espionage. That's sharing uh, usually nuclear or military information with a foreign government. That There's is no allegation of that here. Well, Jordan, I want to say thanks for continuing to Absolutely. just be on top of this. Hey, I know you'd like to follow Jordan the work that ACLJ is doing. You can do that by going to Huckabee.tv. We will connect you to the ACLJ and to uh, Jordan and his legal work. Check out his daily radio show. It's on a thousand radio stations all over the country as well as on Sirius XM. By the way, speaking of radio, we got our own radio voice and he's going to tell us what's coming up. That would be the very one and only Keith Bilbrey. Well, stay right where you are. After the break, a toe-tapping performance by Twitty and Lynn. next week for FBI whistleblower Stephen Friend and Christian rock legend John Schlitt. And welcome back. Here's a fun fact. This wonderful place where we do our show, it sits right across the street from country legend Conway Twitty's historic mansion. He named this whole 40-acre campus Twitty City, and it included Conway's home, his studio, even a house for his mom and children. Conway Twitty stood on this very stage hundreds of times and was often joined by the first lady of country music, Loretta Lynn. We are pretty thrilled here to welcome tonight's musical guest. They're keeping classic country music alive with their show, a salute to Conway and Loretta. And I guess they have a pretty good connection. Conway Twitty's grandson, Trey, and Loretta's granddaughter, Taylor Lynn, better known as Twitty and Lynn. Great to have you guys here. Got to turn around and Yeah. I mean, 
Trey, I think it is so cool. You virtually grew up Absolutely. on this campus. Yeah. And so it's got to have some memories coming back and now performing on the very stage where your grandfather did so many shows, yeah. as did virtually every country artist right. there is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I was born in Nashville, but I was raised in Mississippi, so I didn't grow up here technically, but I spent all my summers here as a kid playing baseball with my cousins in the front yard and riding around all the golf carts and that kind of stuff. So we used to ride around all these streets and our little golf carts and just cause all kind of havoc for did, pop. Did you have poppy. any idea, though, when you were little, what a big deal I did your grandfather not. was? I did not. I didn't find that until later on, so I was about 12 or 13. But, uh, you know, he was just poppy. I, I called him poppy. That's what I called him. So he was just poppy to me. Yeah. And uh, just a real sweet, humble, nice guy. Just a granddad, you know. And, and Taylor, I guess same thing for you. Loretta Lynn was the icon of country music. I mean, she was just amazing. Everybody loved her. I don't know of anyone who didn't. Yeah. Did you grow up saying, my grandmother is this person that everybody knows and loves? Did you sense that? I did. That? Okay, you did know that. <laughs> yeah. I actually did. Um, I was on the road with her a lot growing up. You know, I would spend the summers out on the road with her. My dad mm. was on the road with her. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't understand what like a legend was or the impact that she made on country music, but I I knew that she was you know, a living Cinderella that people just adored. You could sense that. The two of you together is, is extraordinary because your grandfather, your grandmother sang together on some of the greatest country hits that have survived five decades mm. of accolade. And so when you go out on that stage, do you think sometimes you're looking at fans and they just kind of think, it's just like Conway and Loretta again? Mm. <laughs> well, I think the, I think the chemistry... Uh, is kind of innate between the Twitty and the Lynn families because, like, what you saw with Loretta and Conway was 100% authentic. It wasn't put on. It wasn't contrived. Uh, they were best friends. They were business partners. They were kind of soulmates in a way. They weren't romantic in any way, but they were just, they loved each other. And uh, we have that same kind of connection. It's just like we just connect. And every time the Twitty and Lynn's get together, uh, it's just like a big old family getting together, you know? I, I think that's extraordinary. And uh, Taylor, you even wore one of Loretta's dresses, I think, when y'all performed. Mm -hmm. and, and the show is not just uh, sort of a regurgitation of their music. It's also the music that the two of you have put together. So it's a, a real, I guess, tribute it, it, to I, classic I like to, country. I like to say it's a, it's a, it's a, look, uh, a look at Conway and Loretta through their grandkids' eyes. Mm -hmm. It's our story of growing up around them, you know, as our version of what we thought they were, you know, so. And we're huge fans of their music at the end of the day. So yeah. we love performing this music. We love talking about our grandparents. And we do have fans that come up after and, and tell us story after story about our grandparents. And some of them do think that we sound or look like them a little bit. And we love that. We're so proud to do this show. I think we're going to find out whether you do, because well, we're going to have you come sing. <laughs> Let's check it out. <laughs> so while we get set up, Keith Bilbrey, tell everybody how they can see Twitty and Lynn's terrific tribute to Conway and Loretta. <laughs> Twitty and Lynn have a whole bunch of shows booked this year. So find out when they're coming to your town at Huckabee.tv. Now, performing Conway and Loretta's classic hit, Louisiana Woman, Mississippi Man with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass. Here's Twitty and Lynn. <laughs>
can't dance like you. I wish I could. I got left feet. Hey, Louisiana woman. Mississippi man. We get together every time we can. Mississippi River can't keep us apart. There's too much love in this Mississippi heart. Too much love in this Louisiana heart. Oh, I see the alligator all the way nearby. Sooner or later, they know I'm gonna try. When she waved from the bank, don't you know I know it's a goodbye fishing line. See you while I go. To that Louisiana woman waiting on the other side. The Mississippi River don't look so wide. There's too much love in this Mississippi heart. Too much love in heart. Well, I thought I'd been loved, but I never had till I was wrapped in the arms of a Mississippi man. When he holds me close, well, it feels almost like another hurricane done ripped the coast. If he can't come to me, I'm gonna go to him. That Mississippi River, Lord, I'm gonna swim. There's too much love in this Mississippi heart. Too much love in this Louisiana heart. Well, the Mississippi River Lord, it's one mile wide, and I gotta get me to the other side. Mississippi man, I'm losing my mind. Gotta have your loving one more time. I'm gonna jump in the river, and here I go. Too bad, alligator, you swim too slow. There's too much love in this Mississippi heart. Too much love in this Louisiana heart. Yeah, too much love in this Mississippi heart. Too much love in this Louisiana heart.